boom. We are we are started. We are going. Welcome to uh Warrior Chats, uh, which is like opinions are cheap, but without Cameron and Chad. Instead, it is with Chad, Emily, and Jean-Luc today. Welcome Hello. back to the show, Jean-Luc. It's been a bit. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. Welcome yeah, to I... your Warrior Chats debut. It's not my yeah. Warrior Chats debut. Is it not? No. We did a Taylor Swift one with Alex a while back, remember, when uh, Midnight's came out. I believe that was one of the more listened to albums, because if you put Taylor Swift's name in your title... <laughs> People just like are searching her for whatever reason. I don't get it, but I was just going to say people are searching Taylor Swift and going to like page 12 of the Google search results or whatever to yeah find like whatever obscure content they can't they can consume. Yeah, I'm hoping that we also get some of that good, good SEO uh, talking about this album, depending on how long it takes Chad to edit this. You know, I might be a little on the money on this one just because it did come out and it's topical. Mm-hmm. Uh but at the same time, no promises, obviously. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be like six months late like the last time. <laughs> but we're here today to talk about Olivia Rodrigo's new album, Getting All Up in Those Guts. I wish the album was actually called Getting All Up in Those Guts. That would be that would be a great album title. And, she, and the album cover, she's got like a, a dildo in one hand and a knife in the other. And you're just like, I wonder which one it is. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> I miss podcasting with you two. It's been a while. Oh, it has. Nice. I'm glad that I uh, dragged John Luke into this. Yeah, me too. You're, you're going to you might regret it in like 10 minutes, but you know. No, because it means I get to threaten you. A, a preferred pastime of Emily's, yeah. Another of my favorite things. Exactly. Dildos, knives, and threatening my life. It's just the, the holy trinity. Yeah. Jesus died for all of those things. I mean, knives are pretty cool. I, I'll, I'll give you that. Do we, uh, how, how do we want to approach this? Do we want to just, like, start with first impressions? Do we want to go song by song? Uh, do we want to talk about the context of Olivia Rodrigo within pop music and pop punk? Why don't you set up Olivia Rodrigo and who Olivia Rodrigo is and tell us if you liked the last Olivia Rodrigo album. Olivia Rodrigo is a pop singer um, and her new album is pretty all right. Did did that cover cover it? (laughs) Wow. You you don't know the Pitchfork review score off the top of your head, Chad? I meant to read the Rolling Stone review because apparently it's like, wacky up the ass of olivia rodrigo to get gen z to read it and i wanted to know if that's true oh that's really funny i read the pitchfork review i don't normally read pitchfork reviews because they're typically not a good use of my time but i did read it and it, it that was the vibe i got from it was it was like hello how do you do fellow kids please read our dying website and yeah they generated some impressions on twitter i guess so yeah um other things to know about olivia rodrigo she's an actress she's most known for high school high school musical the musical the series on disney plus she's 19 Uh, she is 19 uh which comes up on this album her last album came out at age 17, which also comes up on that album. She's extremely critically acclaimed, like just sort of came out of nowhere as a like musician for after being a Disney Channel actress and just rose to like some pretty incredible stardom on the backs of like 
viral like songs going viral on online and then a lot of like really popular press from more mainstream outlets basically it's 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 kind of a similar thing that's happened to like the more recent like ariana grande releases and Mm -hmm. even some of the like new like there's like that whole what was the oh god uh is it Haley kyoko she also kind of had that same thing happen to her um like and even like some of the recent like miley cyrus selena gomez albums where like at least to me in what feels like an attempt to maintain relevant a lot of uh sort of establishment music critics uh, like uh m- music critics have have sort of pushed those those releases uh you know in lieu of some of the other stuff that they normally write about so that plus the kind of like virality of the songs really blew up olivia rodrigo in what 2021 a couple of years ago people mm-hmm. got really mad because you know they were like oh she ripped off that one paramore song uh there, there was a whole there was like a whole viral youtube video about how like one of the like one of the guitar parts was taken from i think misery business so you know i people were weird about olivia rodrigo uh in a lot of different ways but mostly in positive ways i guess i think you know she is very popular she has some degree of like stan culture online if you Mm -hmm. you know if you're brain damaged enough to wade into stuff like that and look into it but yeah uh I, Emily, you really liked Sour, right? And, I did. and Chad, you mostly liked it, if I remember correctly. It was, it was, it was okay. It was a little boring. I think Guts is a step up. Uh-huh. Uh, I think she took a lot of what she did on Sour and just like did it better. Oh, we will definitely get into that. And Emily, you you love you, you, Sour is like one of your favorite albums of all, or Guts. Yeah, Sour is like one of your favorite albums of all time. You think it's amazing. You you cuddle a vinyl copy of it as you go to sleep every night. Right? These things are all true. Um, I mean, I I did. I really liked Sour when it came out. I honestly, uh, Olivia Rodrigo was literally not on my radar at all until Sour dropped. Uh, I know that Driver's License had been getting a lot of radio play, but I don't listen to the radio or go places where the radio is being played. So I, I, the first time I heard driver's license was when I listened to sour all the way through for the first time. I like, I had just been seeing the album get a lot of buzz from women. I follow on Twitter and uh, was like, well, I'll check this out. I like pop music. And yeah, I just, I really, I, I ended up really enjoying sour. It's, I mean, it's definitely an album made by a 17-year-old, but it's an album made by a 17-year-old uh, with, like, corporate backing. So it sounds good and um, is super fun. And uh, so that that made me really excited to uh, hear what, like, the follow-up was going to sound like. So I've been, I, I was hotly anticipating Guts uh, long before it was officially released. <laughs> Or even mm-hmm. an- officially announced. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, that's all I think useful information before we get into into guts, right? Uh, just you know, lip- before we get the all stage. up in those guts. All up in those guts. I, I feel like that 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 <laughs> going back to that is going to come across as a little weird, but I, I do enjoy. It. You know, we're getting all up in Olivia Rodrigo's guts, which okay, is see, in now ways, okay. Now, now you made it weird. 
Well, that she's is what the album though, is about. So. That is what but, the album is about. No, I know, is but she's spilling her guts to the world, opening herself up for all of us to see. It's very Cronenbergian if you think about it. Oh, see, he um, saved so it true. now. He mentioned a director you like. So true. <laughs> um, Olivia Rodrigo, what do you think of Primes of the Future? <laughs> she probably hates it, if I had to guess. She likes Jennifer's body. That's all I care about. Oh, that's cool. I like the, Jennifer's it, body. The, I, I actually, you know, I don't, it's not like I, I know that from like interviews, but like she has a music video, the, the music video for Brutal off her first album is uh like, she's got like sort of a, she's in a cheerleader outfit and, and it's sort of um, uh, murdery a little. So uh, it, it gives off some, some Jennifer's body vibes. So I can, I hope that that You're was a creative She's I a Jennifer's that, body fan. That that was a creative decision on her part. Uh, but I actually don't know. Well, I think it was, if I had to guess, it's probably riding the wave of, you know, Jennifer's body's popularity in the year 2021. I mean, yeah, like it, it, Jennifer's body did have a bit of a renaissance in the, yeah, the 2020s, like, early 2020s. I feel like it's in a very in. small corner of the internet where it's having a, a renaissance. It is a great movie, though, so... I, I, I endorse the Jennifer's body fandom. Um, all right. So I guess we should talk about guts and stop just making allusions to gross body horror stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually, should... before, before we get into the album proper, like how I'm, I, I'm wondering, how do you guys feel about like the Olivia Rodrigo album naming convention as it stands, I guess, because like, it's not, you know, like it's not like a tight. There's no title track. It's not a reference to any specific song. I just, I don't know. I find, I find the the choice of album name to be sort of interesting. I mean, I guess as someone who listens to a lot of like metal music, that's not uncommon. That's pretty normal. Same with like the one word album titles. Uh, sure. Shadow of Intent did that for at least two in a row, maybe three. I mean, my favorite Cannibal Corpse album is just called Torture, so, you know, kind of okay. kind of the same vibe. We're cool, Emily, is what we're trying to say. We're very cool. You don't get that a lot in pop music, necessarily. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got uh, Ed Sheeran doing the math symbols, so he, I mean, you know, he's a goofy Yeah, but that's, that's I can't like be pretentious and cringe. Yeah, but be, he's good, so it's fine. I can't be expected to remember anything about Ed Sheeran, except that he wrote How the best How am I the Justin only Bieber Ed song. Sheeran fan on this show? I, I just said that he wrote the best Justin Bieber song, so... Okay. There we go. I'll allow it. I, I, I don't know that I have an opinion necessarily on the, on the titling convention. I mean, I guess it's just like a very... The, the like all caps thing is just like, I guess, just a description of the vibe of the album in the sense that Sour is like... My life sucks. I'm a rich 17-year-old. I hate myself and the world around me. Eh. And this uh, and that's how you're supposed to go into that album with that mindset. And this album is called, you know, Guts. It's like I'm a refined 19-year-old and uh I, it's time for some introspection. I was going to suggest that Chad just cut this whole part because like if nobody has an opinion it doesn't matter but then we would lose that voice that you just did and I would really hate that. Yeah, you've 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 got me tied there. Oh, unfortunate. <laughs> I think it's really annoying that all of the song titles are lowercase. Like I don't have any like 
there's really nothing to it. It's just a stylistic decision, but I hate it when artists do that. So, you know. John Luke hates reading my DMs. <laughs> no, I but the, the, the these are like they're titles of songs, so they're proper nouns. They're supposed to be capitalized. When my friends text me and it's like all lowercase, it does kind of annoy me when people don't capitalize the first word in every sentence, but even I've kind of stopped doing that in text. So like it it, it is what it is. But this is just like why why? Like why like one of the titles is literally a woman's name. It should be capitalized. It, it, there's no excuse for it being lowercase, but that is a very small complaint. I, I'm going to introduce you to this thing called poetry where conventions of grammar don't matter. I've never read a good poem in my life, so I'm... Well, oh, wow. That is a hot That's take. That's actually really sad, John Luke. I mean, unless um, you count songs as poems, in which case, sure, but I songs think Songs I count no. as poems, but also I am I, like viscerally kind of mad at that statement you just said, so... <laughs> I want to move on from that so I don't turn this into like an Emily Dickinson, Robert Frost podcast. I've read some Robert I am, Frost. It's very unimpressive. Fuck off, are you stupid slut? Well, I will arrive at a, 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 a path in the woods and I could go one direction or I can go the other. Shut the fuck up. I, like, wow. I, no, no one cares, man. See, I, at least I'm refined here. I thought we were cool. <laughs> Drop Cannibal Corpse and you hate Robert Frost, you fucking weird human being <laughs> it's me hi emily um anyways <laughs> do you want to actually talk about like the song yeah. and the album and not and not be stupid yeah i do actually i need more liquor we should talk about uh all american bitch which is what i think about when i think about you know most women but <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so this is not my favorite song on the album, but it does have my favorite moment on the album. And I feel like if... Uh, is it the part that you've posted on your private Twitter like twice a day for the last week? Is, is that um, it? I, I will have, you know, I've also posted it on public Twitter. It is, uh, oh. in fact, the outro to the song where, and I should have, uh, I should have clipped this out and put it in the soundboard because I knew I was going to bring this up, but it's where Check she's like, it post. Uh, I won't. No, no, he won't. Uh, it's where she's like, I'm grateful all the time. I'm sexy and I'm kind. I'm I'm pretty when I cry. Is like that's my favorite moment on this album because it makes me laugh every time. It's the funniest goddamn thing in the world. And it's also just like these are my daily affirmations. <laughs> Emily finds it funny because she doesn't take women's feelings seriously. No, is I don't. So take my own feelings seriously i uh this, this, this song actually has a favorite lyric of mine and it's when i think it's part of the chorus when she says i know my age and i act like it yeah because it uh -huh. is like a very like encapsulation of like hey this album was written by a teenager it's going to have teenager things on it if you don't like that fuck off like it is a very like expectation setting line and a very expectation setting song that's really yeah. interesting. I didn't take that line that way. I be, I mean, I interpret this song as pretty much entirely sarcastic. So like when I hear uh, when I hear Olivia Rodrigo say, I know my age and I act like it, what I'm hearing is like her 
making fun of the fact that people tell her that she should act her age when she's not. So that's interesting. I I was kind of with Chad. I I feel like there's Mm -hmm. a lot on this album that is about like, uh, that is a response to the sort of critical and public reception to sour of like, sure. Please stop. That is almost like, please stop putting me on like this absurd pedestal. Like I'm a teenager making fun pop punk music. Okay. Uh, So that is kind of how I I interpreted that line as well. I I do really like this song, actually. I think it's a I think it's a great opener. Oh, it's a banger. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny that it was, you know, the subject of a reactionary meltdown on Twitter. Wait, uh, of what? Oh, there were there were a bunch of like uh, right wing Twitter accounts that got really mad about the specific part of the song that you like. Oh, uh, and they're like, oh, really? it's so fucked up that kids these days are like, this is these are their idols and not Haley Williams from Paramore, like almost verbatim that. And the tweet like went super viral on I on on like right wing Twitter, like and a bunch of like Daily Wire freaks got it like really into it. I feel like I remember there was like a video of her and I guess it was from from the music video of the song and she was doing like a scream and people were making fun of that. Is that the. Yes, that's that. That's it. That was if you click through that person's account, they are a like uh, right wing sort of Christian like influencer. Hilarious. uh, And that circle got really mad about it because you know it's a woman being okay you know, yeah i didn't free and honest about their feelings i i, I didn't uh i i didn't quite realize that that <laughs> was i mean oh, look, I, I, I saw some of that but i just also not everyone is not everybody has the kind of brain damage i do so and that's no, probably just, for the best i just i saw uh i saw people saying things and i just like chose to ignore it uh it slid yeah. off of me water off a duck's back yep that's a smart response my because i remember that i remember seeing that tweet because I, I reacted to it and no one no one should give a shit that i did that but they also name dropped avril lavigne is like hey it remember did. when we had that i listened to avril lavigne's first album today in preparation for this show uh-huh and her career tra- trajectory and olivia's are actually like kind of similar is that um I mean is that the album with like complicated and skater boy yes. or okay I was just making sure I couldn't remember if like she put out an album before that. Yeah, I remember listening to that album when I was a kid. Um I so I'd never heard that from all the way through. Oh, okay. And um I know like it is a it, it's a very important album in terms of like the genre of pop punk because there weren't a lot of women in there. She was really young. She exploded mm-hmm. at a young age. Yeah. But it's another one of those like I think like Sour the the songs you I remember from Sour are kind of like the rock ones and they're actually not that many on that album. And the same thing is with that Avril album where like there's like four really good like pop punk bangers and then the rest are sort of like ballad or pop songs mm-hmm. in the style of, of pop music at the time. Yeah. And then Avril's second album, which I did not listen to, but I, I read a little bit about, she started uh, working with other people and basically wanted to make it more pop punk more punk more heavy mm-hmm. and olivia basically did that on this one where there's a lot more i think rock elements throughout guitar solos and, and um just the <laughs> way the drums are mixed and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so like really olivia and avril's kind of trajectory currently very similar also making music for children so if you're mad at children liking children's music and you're an adult maybe fuck off a little let the kids have their thing actually like 
it honestly like even though that tweet did like blow up the real like if there's any sort of target of ire when it comes to Olivia Rodrigo, it's definitely, like, the fans of her in their 20s, which, like, I get. That's why I'm not bit. an Olivia Rodrigo fan. Um, I, I, okay, so I did make, uh, I wanted to, in preparation for this, I wanted to listen to Sour and Guts back-to-back, uh, which I did do in in both of their entirety a couple of times, and I've listened to Guts recently uh, more times than I could properly quantify, honestly. But um, and and I did name the playlist "30 uh, Year Old Teenage Girl," which is not even a label that I uh, that I specifically ascribe to myself. That's but, probably a good thing. Aren't you like twenty eight? No, I I am thirty. I turned thirty this year. The cruel passage of time comes for us all. You Last know, twenty year old on the podcast. Let's when, go. Uh, when when you and I hung out in person, uh, it was right before my thirtieth birthday. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like a, a week. I, I was in uh, I was in the Midwest uh, like a week before my birthday. But anyway, um, yeah, I it, it, the. A lot of the ire that I see towards Olivia Rodrigo fans online tends to be of the variety of the 22-year-old teenage girl, which um, is just not a thing that I feel like I can relate to because I don't miss being a teenager at all, ever. Uh, And... But I, I, you know, I like I understand the sentiment and I understand how like this uh, bratty pop punk can appeal to that. I think it speaks to something uh, and we don't have to spend do enough to get too deep in this, but I do think it speaks to something much bigger that like a lot of people in their 20s and even into their 30s are obsessed with like reliving their teen, not even their childhood years, but like their teenagers. And I know I'm like far from the first person to make this point, but when you make being an adult so brutal for people and like such a genuinely awful experience, like even if they're, even though like for a lot of people, high school and being a teenager sucks, like they are going to sort of yearn to have that back. Mm -hmm. And an album like this is going to inevitably do that for people because a lot of it sounds like the music that people listen to when they're in high school. Like Mm -hmm. it is obviously influenced by like Avril Lavigne and Paramore and pop punk bands of that era. Like it sounds like it could have been released in the late nineties or early two thousands. It actually reminded me of the last Halsey album in in that respect uh, in some (laughs) interesting ways, but uh, yeah, like it, it it's, it's going to have that effect on people. Uh, yeah. I think that's weird, but it's also not my problem. Um, so uh, it, it is that. one of the things that is like frustrating to me about the album, though. I, I think it has some of the same problems that I had with Sour, which is that like it is hard to listen to an album uh, about most of the songs are like kind of whining about like how, about society or whatever. And it's like you're literally rich. Like, I don't want to hear it from you. But. I think some of the songwriting has gotten a lot better uh, in, in, on this album. And so it's a little more incisive and, and some of the songs that are just like fun songs are way more just like fun songs, like bad idea. Right. Which was the second single. I did not like it a lot when it came out, but I've actually, it's actually growing me a lot. Cause it's like, 
it feels like the kind of song where on her first album she would have been trying to like make a big point with it but it's just like no it's like a song about hooking up with your ex which is a, a classic genre of song mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah. a fun spin on that like it's and it's that's all it is and i think it's fine for it to just be that and then obviously there's vampire which is literally the next song on the album which could not be more different uh in terms of but 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 vampire actually works for me more like i i she seems much more like vulnerable on vampire there's not a there's the, the sort of insincerity that there was on sour is like not there on that track at all and i think in general that's true of this album like a lot of the songs like i think it's just because her songwriting got better like a lot of the songs she just it just they just feel more sincere like even all american bitch like feels way more sincere than like brutal which is like to me feels like it's steeped in like six layers of irony um so it, it was kind of refreshing actually getting to to listen to, to an album like to, to this album for for that reason because i i did not like sour and i actually mostly liked this album um Although I, I was surprised when Chad made the point about there being more like pop punk bangers, because this album has like multiple stretches of really boring slow ballads. It it sure does. Um, not my the, the, there's the the, the 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 structure and the pacing of this album is really weird. Um, there's a lot of songs that start out like piano ballad, and then like at almost exactly the two minute mark every time, that's when the rock stuff kicks in, mm-hmm. and like it's fun twice. But she plays that card like four times, I think, maybe five. <laughs> and it, it's sort of like, OK, you played with structure and now it's like, OK, you only know how to play with structure literally the one way. But whatever. Right. It's it, it, it makes it feel a little um, it, it messes with the pacing, though, where you're like, I feel like I've been here a while, but I haven't just because you're hearing. Absolutely. It, it got me thinking, too, because like the standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus, um, bridge, chorus, like there's a certain level of like punctuation to that where. You're so used to songs like that that the the structure itself doesn't bother you. It's like when you use like he said in a in a book. Like it's okay to use said all the time. It's just verbal punctuation. And so when you mess with that, it's interesting. But if you mess with it too much, it can get either it can be either really cool and you're doing prog shit, or it can be kind of not as cool as you think it is. And, and I this album I think would be better if it cut like one or two songs and just like cut some of the slower stuff or, or like one of the songs that uses that progression. Cause at a certain point it feels a little overplayed. I would disagree necessarily. I think this album should, would be better if you took the song Lacey off of it, but yeah, and, I would and, cut that one. Going to kill you with my bare hands. Emily, I, I, I wrote this in my notes just for you. Cause I had a sneaking suspicion that you liked this song. Uh, Lacey is to guts as wake up is to good Apollo uh so that is my my take Purple, on it Purple uh, and rude is what it, i have it to is say a about very that. corny song it is extremely annoying and it takes it took a lot of like constitution for me to not skip through the second half of it when i listened to this album it feels very unfocused but it raises a really important question olivia rodrigo bisexual question mark well, isn't that what the song is about? Is that a question? Well, I mean, she hasn't come out, so technically, yes, it, it it does qualify as a question. I think if you write a love song about a woman and you are a woman, it 
can only mean one thing, but you know, I'm not spec. I'm not going to speculate about celebrities, sexualities on a podcast. It's not my business. You're above that. I'm above that. Yeah. I I we are not, not TMZ here. Yeah. We're serious critics on this podcast. I will admit like lazy is not lazy is not the best song on this album. T B H. Like if, you know, if we're, if we're looking for places to cut, like, you know, this, like, uh, pretty isn't pretty enough or whatever that song is called. I like uh, that one, actually. Like, it's not bad. I don't know. I just like, I could, I, you know, if, if it were not on the album, I don't think I would miss it. Frankly, I think you could take all of like the slower ballad songs, except Vampire, put them on a dartboard and throw two darts and whichever ones you hit, cut them and the album would kind of be better regardless. Just like, I don't know, like there's so many of them sound the same and are kind of about the same things uh, in a way that's like, all right, yeah, I, I don't like, need to be hit over the head this many times. Honestly, like the only ones that I would insist on keeping are, vampire the grudge and teenage dream and basically uh any other any other ballad song which uh leaves i think uh, i was disappointed that teenage dream was not a cover of the carrie perry's Katy perry song teenage dream i okay but like okay but that i i love i love teenage dream on this album i think um, it is uh, one of the, st- I think, standout tracks, like lyrically I like and like emotionally. I, I think it is like one of the best songs on here and a really I, smart I cry, way to end the album. I cry every time. Uh, and I think it is also like, I think Teenage Dream is really sort of like uh, Sour also ends on like a, like a slow, sad song. Um, I don't remember what it's called but it's really corny and like i it's not my it's not one of my favorite songs on the album and i feel like uh i get what she was trying to do ending the album with it but like i don't really feel like it it hits whereas i feel like ending this album with teenage dream is like perfect like i think that song is uh gorgeous and and very emotionally affecting and it makes her a really good closer for the album. I I do have an answer though to the it gets better, but what if I don't? I, I Olivia, I think you will feel great when you see the royalties from this album come in. <laughs> so j- you can chill a little bit. It it is funny, like the the sentiment coming from someone who is going to be doing like a stadium tour. Uh, it, it 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 definitely like isn't yeah the idea of like i've peaked at x age what if things don't get better is something that is very relatable because it kind of can apply to your whole life you know assuming things continue to get better which they usually don't but whatever but like you know coming from someone who is still a teenager and is going to be you know selling out the excel center uh this year and then going on to the next center and selling that one out because people are going to be camping for these tickets it's like you're really going to have to fuck up for things to not continue on that. I don't like thinking too much about that, like meta disconnect though, with artists and stuff like that. Like it happens, but it's not, it's not their fault. You know, I, on the one, like I, I, I like John Luke, you're right. Um, but I don't know. There is something 
There is something about hearing this 19-year-old girl, like, ask if she has already given the best of herself to, like, her career uh, that, like, really is just very emotionally affecting for me which is sure, what it, I, which is what it's going for like uh yeah. you know so i'm i'm falling for it hook line and sinker but i don't even necessarily think the feelings are like insincere or whatever but like yeah. it is it is hard to relate to an album from somebody who who is already like richer than i will probably ever be you know? i so imagine like, that even uh, the i guess you have problems but not real ones i mean the amount of pressure that that she's going to be on for this and the amount of work involved in like a tour of that size the people I think that when you look at the bank account a lot of that pressure gets released she's, yeah but i mean uh, she's 19 and the amount of like project yeah. management that i mean she'll probably hire that out but still like it's a lot um yeah, I, I, get, I get i get the the sentiment it's just uniquely the way it's framed is kind of uniquely hers but i, I think sure. the sentiment itself still rings quite true and it, it it's a good song i I think uh, relatability is an interesting thing to bring up on this because I w- I'm reminded a lot of Taylor Swift when I listen to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I re-listened to Fearless too uh, today as part of the, the, the homework. Mm-hmm. And like the way Taylor Swift talks about heartbreak and being in high school versus the way Olivia does, I think are, are, are different in really interesting ways. Like there's a very romanticized um, element to Taylor Swift's like heartbreak, like yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so sad, but isn't it pretty? I made this like country song, and we can all it's like Americana, together. Right? Yeah, like and the first... Olivia's is like it's grungy, it's dirty. She's like, no, this she is has... so fucked up. Look, Olivia Rodrigo. Whatever negative things I will say about her, she has swag, and yeah. that comes through on this album. Like, uh, get him back or whatever that song is called is just swag the fuck out, and I, I can't take. I will not be taking that away from her. Like at the end of the day. Uh, I, and that goes a long way. I, that song's awesome. I would I would venture to say that as far as relatability goes, there's m- maybe uh there there's maybe like even setting aside the uh the famous person uh relatability gap. Like there's probably also just a relatability gap here in a lot of the content on this album to. Uh, maybe the two of you. <laughs> well, I mean, the age difference, right? I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, like, when I listen to Taylor Swift be sad, but about romantically about it, there's like, I can vicariously live through that because mm-hmm. it is so played for like a specific artistic style. Like, you want to be this sad because heartbreak should be this sad and that's beautiful. And you're like, okay, that's what it's like to be a teenage girl. I can. I can try to get into that headspace. Olivia's is like, it's the total opposite. It's like, it is, I feel like real, like this is actual realistic, like high school breakup. It's messy and stupid. And we're all hormonal idiots. And I'm like, well, I can't relate to that. I'm in my thirties. I can, you know, try to relate to the romantic version because like you would, have, you know, a shitty romance novel. Um, and I think that it's one, a very interesting way to approach it because it's commercially, I think going for a different audience, but two mm-hmm. definitely changes how I relate to the music. Well, as someone who was a hormonal idiot, I find uh, a lot of the sentiments on uh, both of the Olivia Rodrigo albums uh, fairly relatable. This one more so even than Sour. I think um, even as much as I liked Sour, it was uh, 
a, a just a, just a hair too too juvenile even for me, which I know I'm sure it comes as a shock. We like cartoons here. Well, speak for yourself. You no, know, I I I 100% agree, I, and I think it's like you know maybe as she gets even deeper in her into her career, I will progressively enjoy her albums more as they are you know less for teenagers and children and more for adults yeah i'm i'm hype as fuck for whatever olivia rodrigo is gonna be making at age 30 like yeah that seems like it's gonna gonna really be bangers and i'm i'm excited about the the she has a good scream she should do something with that absolutely i didn't hear that i'll have to go check that out i i will say i i think yeah, both these albums, this one especially, like, she can be a very good lyricist. Uh, there's a lot of, I think, very good turns of phrase on this. There's a lot of songs that are very heartfelt and well done. Uh, she knows how to write a fucking pop banger. She knows how to write a ballad. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. the, I think the older she gets, especially when she decides to maybe get a little more experimental, like, I'm always, I think I'm always going to be excited for a new album of hers just to see what she does. I don't know whether I'll always be a fan, but I do want to like follow the the musical journey just because I so far it's been interesting and it's obviously captured a lot of attention and, and you know, relevancy in the media. I, I was pretty hyped when Vampire was the first single, because even though like, you know, uh, Driver's License was the big single from the previous album and that was also really ballady, uh, Vampire was just like a whole new like a whole new realm of Olivia Rodrigo sound right uh songwriting as far as I was concerned so uh that that really made me excited for this album and it paid off for me yeah i i i will say i was in the same camp as you when vampire came out i, I really like i still really like that song but it did not quite uh did not quite hit the mark for me but that i think is more or less to be expected we have this is where where our tastes differ. What I will say is, if this came out when I was fourteen, I like it would be one of my favorite albums forever. You know, yeah. So I I think that's absolutely true. Um, in the same way that it's just that like this is for fourteen year olds today. What like Black Parade and Riot and whatever was for me when I was fourteen. So oh for sure. I, I should I I think I think it would be a little bit weird if I was like a huge Olivia Rodrigo partisan. Like I, I that would be like a twenty six year old cishet white guy being like really into Olivia Rodrigo is just a huge red flag. Uh, so you know, I yeah it's funny because I, I think when I was fourteen, um, I I I w- that was when new metal was popping off, right? And so that was my trajectory. It was like I want to fucking listen to Limp Bizkit and and Linkin Park. Oh yeah, Limp Bizkit and, uh, is still awesome though. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some banging Limp Bizkit songs. I don't know. I, I I I see the music. Like, there's so many things to talk about with this album because it's a dense album. There's there's a lot of tonal shifts. It's very funny at times. Uh, I love um the hell's the name of the song? Uh, Ballad of a Homeschool Girl is like I think a really fun song. Yeah, getting back is a really fun song. I might listen to that. So I like Bout of a Homeschool Girl too, but every time I listen to that song, the only two words in my head are skill issue. So, you know. The uh the production on this is really good, especially the when the when the rock parts kick in in that first song, they sound fucking huge. The drums are great, the guitars are great, everything is just like just bam, you're like, oh hell yeah. This sounds so good with good headphones. Uh 
really really makes good use of that. So, I mean, there's there's that to talk about. And then there's like the the zeitgeist shit going on, and I don't know. It just makes me think when I was 14 and all the people older than me who are just like Led Zeppelin is the greatest band ever. Disturbed sucks, and it's like Disturbed's not for you. They you're did not kind a of child. when they said that though. <laughs> Nah, man. Old School Disturbed is pretty great. Something that I can't help but shake, or that I that I can't shake about this album, is that it is kind of sour to the sequel. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean that in a bad way, because I liked Sour. But I feel like there are so many songs on this album that have, like, uh... It's like this, the the version, the song on Guts is like a leveled up version of a song on Sour. Like, um, I, I, I mean, the, the most egregious example that comes to mind is probably uh, Driver's License and The Grudge, which uh, my good pal Tease, uh, friend of the show Tease, uh pointed out is in the same key both these songs are in the same key and also played on the same piano and at first i didn't notice how similar these songs were but then earlier when i was listening to my playlist of both albums i did hear the beginning of the grudge and think it was driver's license so uh i don't know i like and and i feel like there there are a couple of songs where that uh that is true. It's not necessarily just these two, but, uh, how many artists go from their first to second album and have like a radical departure though? Oh, I don't think it's, I I don't don't even necessarily think that that it needs to be a radical departure. I just think it's, uh, you know, something to, it's something I noticed, especially listening to them back to back, like that, uh, it just feels like there, there are a lot of very like, uh, strong, ties between the two albums uh yeah yeah i don't know it's got to be hard when like i don't know i know limp biscuit was getting big everybody kind of hated them they became a band that you love to hate but you had to like turn the tv on or buy a magazine to see it whereas everything's online now like i can't imagine kind of the messages she gets and so to maybe really make direct ties to her first album that obviously like people decided older people who it wasn't for decided to really not like it. Like trying to one up and be like, I'm going to do this song, but better. Like I kind of get the mindset. I don't know that I would say that people didn't like it. Uh, I feel like I was in the, uh, my position on sour was in the extreme minority actually. Like, I feel like it was very, I thought it was very, my impression was that it was very well liked, but like, I, I know that there that. were, there, there was a certain, there, there's always going to be a certain subset of, like, contrarians when it comes to any sort of, like, pop musician, especially a woman. Um, I'm not even talking about just you, John Luke. Uh, but, like... No, I know. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's my impression that Sour, as far as, like, the mainstream goes, did uh, extremely well. I also think that part of it is like, I don't know, I guess when you're like a young artist and you're doing things for the first time, like 
branching mm-hmm. out into music or whatever, it, it can be very easy to just be like, oh, well, I should do this. I should do this, but better. Cause like, I don't know, at least from my experience, like you change extremely radically from when you're, from when you're 17 to even when you're 19. Right. Oh, absolutely. So I, I wonder if that might be, you know, part of it, if it's yeah. sort of like, you know, a couple years older, but like way more mature than, you know, if you go going from like, I don't know, 23 to 25 or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, could have that kind of that effect of like wanting to like have another stab at the, your first outing. Absolutely. Could definitely see that being the case. I mean, we kind of saw that we've kind of seen that with Taylor Swift too, where like a lot of the, I mean, obviously the Taylor's version stuff is for very different reasons, but I'm thinking specifically about like all too well, for instance, where it's like genuinely just taking the original song and like re completely overhauling it. Um, cause she was, I mean, she wasn't 17 when she wrote all too well, but she was like 21. Right. So, and mm-hmm. rewrote it like, I guess five, six years later or whatever. So I can definitely see that being the case. If if we even want to go with, you know, like a highbrow example, because it's not just, uh, it's not just Taylor Swift is highbrow. It's not just pop girlies that, uh, do stuff like this. We mentioned Cronenberg earlier. And if you, Mm -hmm. if you look at, uh, stuff like Videodrome versus crimes of the future, you have a lot of like, well, a, a lot of similar themes in play, but like with the added benefit of uh, of time between like the the making. What, did you know that Crimes of the Future is both David Cronenberg's newest movie and also his oldest movie? Yeah, but like it's not like a direct remake, is it? It is the the original version of Crimes of the Future was, I believe, a student fit one of his student films, and a lot of what is in there is stuff that he rewrote and reimagined for the new version. Okay. Like they're not, it's not a one to one. It's not one to one, obviously. Sure. Uh, but it is a, pretty much all of the like there are direct corollaries between pretty much everything in the original crimes of the future to the like last year's uh crimes of the future okay movie. yeah no i um i knew that he had another film called crimes of the future but i was uh yeah. I, under the mistaken impression that they were not uh not really related um but vi- videodrome is absolutely also a, a good example of the, the same type of thing like similar yeah. things but you know reimagined for when you're older again like it doesn't seem like it should feel that big of a difference between 17 and 19, but boy, howdy. I guess the, the direction I'm coming from with some of this is that if you're in the rock sphere at all, there's a big like bemoaning that rock is dying. I go to a rock show, maybe it sells out, but there's nobody young there. It's like, I'm the youngest person at, at the show. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, not a good thing because you need kids and, and a wide variety of people to keep the genre going. Yeah. And then so Olivia Rodrigo comes out, there's a resurgence in pop punk. A lot of it's handled by like TikTok influencers, uh, you know, picking up guitars and playing music. Yeah. And instead of being like happy, like, hey, rock music is is for the kids again. It's being, you know, it's getting on radio. It's people are enjoying it. Uh, the people my age and above are like, well, but this is the shitty version of rock music. It's not real rock. And, and there's this like old head versus new head, you know, cop battle of like, what is the appropriate way to to deal with the music right now? Yeah. And and she's in a, uh, she's definitely like in in the thick of that. Well, I mean, she probably doesn't give a shit, and she shouldn't. But it is it is like part of the discourse going on of like what is happening to these genres of music that are kind of falling off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they're coming back. It's just different. 
and the kids want something a little different and you know blink 182 is not going anywhere you can listen to those albums yeah yeah blink 182 is even about to make another album with tom DeLong again right and it's gonna sound exactly the same so sure if you want that bullshit you can have it i i was so happy with like how much electric guitar guitar solo stuff like that is on this album mm-hmm. and i think even just pop music in general right now it's really coming back to more traditional instruments and it, it's just nice to see that continue now that i don't like the synth pop and the dance pop and all that stuff sure. like that but it is i don't know there's something about like rocking out to an old kelly clarkson song because it's like structured like a rock song and i feel like olivia does that a lot on this album it i don't know the cycle repeats and we're, we're back to this cycle and, and I think people should be excited that that's the case. They should. Absolutely. I I think my contention with what you're talking about specifically, Chad, is that rock music has not necessarily gone anywhere. Like it's maybe fallen out of favor in the mainstream, but like the kinds of the ways that like Olivia Rodrigo is getting boosted, like there's no reason that the kinds of people who are boosting Olivia Rodrigo and music like that couldn't boost other bands who were doing, you know, kind of in a similar adjacent space, also doing cool rock music stuff. Um, The fact that it has to be filtered through like this sort of pop music layer for it to be taken like seriously, because it is, taken in my opinion a little bit more seriously than it frankly should be um like there is a trade-off there of like when if this is the kind of rock music that is like being boosted like you are doing that at the expense of something else unfortunately that's that's the way it works um and i know that like for like websites and and music critics and and publications and all of that like they have to do what will get them good seo and like you know writing about like lingua ignota is not going to get you good seo not that i'm saying right. lingua ignota is something that would ever have the same degree of popularity as this but like you know something like idols or like all kinds of other bands that like are never going to be as big as olivia rodrigo like there is actually a trade off and the idea that and i can understand the frustrations of people who are like okay, well, the kind of music I really like has been stamped out of the mainstream, and I find it really hard to discover new new music that I like because, like, nobody covers it in the traditional publications, and the algorithms completely stamp it out and, and, and don't boost it in the way that they will boost songs off of Sour. And so if, it, if you're coming at it from that perspective, like, I can totally understand why people would feel frustrated. I mean when like the NPR new music Friday, like started basically exclusively talking about new, like pop albums, I was a little bummed because like it stopped being a great like way to discover new stuff. And sure. So it just became like, Oh, well this thing everyone's heard of, you're telling me about it. I've heard of it already, you know? So I I do feel like um, over the last couple of years, like some of the bigger finds for me in music have been like pop stuff or K-pop. That is, definitely getting a bigger algorithmic push than yep. anything else um and then i get and then i luck out and like some channel be like hey check out this black metal band and i'm like okay no yeah. like, oh, this fucking rocks but like it, it feels so random right that that when that happens yeah no it, it does i don't know i 
I don't find it that difficult to find uh, music that I like that I have not heard of. Uh, I do a lot of uh, I I let I go in like I'll I'll look up a band that I like on Spotify, and then Spotify will often give me suggestions for other things that I might like, and a lot of times it's stuff that I haven't heard of. Yeah, I. I will say from my experience when I let when I like finish listening to an album on Spotify or whatever and I like let it keep like auto playing stuff after that mm-hmm. it's very rare that I'll find something that I actually enjoy usually it'll like I'll let it play for five or six songs and be like okay this shit sucks and go back mm-hmm. to like and I think that's just like a you know obviously different experiences people are going to have different experiences with like what the algor- Spotify algorithms do for them like it's sometimes going to produce stuff you like and sometimes it's not but uh i'm just sort of speaking to my experience of yeah. like genuinely struggling to discover like new stuff that i really like and like having to like spend a lot more time like intentionally seeking out stuff than i like going to band camp and like looking for like intentionally looking for stuff that like might be more obscure than i did like even three or four years ago okay sure I, I know there's this big worry because I I've always heard like once you hit your 30s you stop looking for new music. A lot of people just like they kind of cap it at what they grew up with, and that's why you have so many people who are just like Megadeth is the best band ever when they're 60. You're really on this Megadeth, and like why I do people like Megadeth? Don't like cake? Megadeth. <laughs> the big four are all bad, but Megadeth is the worst, and Metallica's fine. Metallica is good pre and Justice for All. Nah, the black album fucks. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, that is yeah, so I mean, cap. Honestly, like I, I was a not little wearing bit, a hat. I was a little bit like that. Uh, you know, not not seeking out new music once you hit thirty. Uh, for a little bit, mostly just because like I, my free time spent where I would be listening to things would be spent listening to podcasts instead of like listening to music seeking out new music but i've been actually like going out and uh and and listening to new music uh more recently uh intentionally so what are you listening to uh, a lot of what are, lot what, are the, what are some quick hits that are good uh, a lot of like emo music uh mostly uh like uh like midwest emo type emo like hey um, i live there I mean, like, and technically, I the uh, I was gonna say Camp Trash, which is not a Midwest emo band, but it's in like that same genre. Um, but also, uh, like Honey Creek and uh, Ben Quad and Palette Knife and Saturdays at Your Place. Good, a lot of good stuff. I actually I made a big playlist. I'll I'll send you a playlist. Uh, nice. Of, of stuff I did not mean I to put you on the. Yeah. I did not mean to put you on the spot. I was just genuinely. No, luckily I did have. Curious. I had a playlist that I could reference. What What is you guys? What is your favorite song from the album? From Guts. It's definitely Vampire for me. I want to say Vampire. Mm-hmm. I hate. I hate her use of the f word in Vampire. Uh, it's super. Why did you now. just say the f word? I don't know. <laughs> the the f curse. You're, you have the biggest potty mouth of like anyone on this, uh, like I've ever podcasted with. And you're just like referring yeah, to the but, F word. But I'm really deliberate in terms of when I, in my actual writing, um, really deliberate with how I use it. Like I, I swear a lot in, in real life, but like it just doesn't fit in like the radio edit of that song is better. 
Because uh, they, they hard, take it out. Hard disagree. I I love uh, I love the the song and all of the the words and the way they are used in it. Uh, fame fucker. I'm fine with. No, I I it, it's so. And even the way I every, everything about like that line in that song kind of like grates me a little bit. Do Do you think it would be better if it was if it if the line was clout chaser instead of fame fucker? It's dream crusher in the radio edit, oh. which is a half uh, better. Mm. I don't, I don't know think I like that, that much the either. Vibe of the song, not yeah, really. Either. I feel like there's. I, I, I feel like, like there's a better fucker. option. I, I, I think I, it's a I nice. Like, uh, I like it. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a nice. Um, thing where you have two words back to back that start with the same sound uh there's a word for that alliteration yes i i enjoy the alliteration uh sounds vaguely like a marvel comics character which maybe <laughs> yeah, has <it> something <laughs> to do with why i like it um but. do you guys know well i i will say vampire is also my favorite uh off the album i think um but but bad idea right is also uh also probably a very close second uh big big banger um i think uh get him back is my second favorite i am a sucker for those like big like anthemic choruses i feel like and i feel like it's a very good one of those it uh contains one of my favorite lyrics on the album which is i want to meet his mom and tell her her son sucks that's a great Uh, line that's a good one even though in my experience uh the mom is the reason that he sucks and she's not gonna care but yeah, um, I really like this album. How, do you, where where do you guys land like on on the album as a whole? Uh, it's good. Um, I in my in my spreadsheet I highlighted it yellow, which is good but not great. That's so. about yeah. what I would expect from you. I I liked it. I don't love it. Um, I I could see randomly throwing it on like sour. Not the case. I, I listened to that a couple times to like be part of the zeitgeist and talk to you, Emily. Uh, this one is like, if I don't know what the hell to listen to at work and I got YouTube open, I could, you know, I could see throwing this one on. Um, but I'm not like, I'm not a super fan. I, I do think I'm a little out of the audience range for it. Sure. I appreciate what it's doing. I think, I think it's probably going to get younger people interested in wanting to like play the piano and play the guitar and the drums. And I think that's really cool. I, I do think like, not that all of this should be on her shoulders, but sure. This seems like it could be a good thing for just like music down the line. Like people are going to listen to this yeah. and go, oh, I want more, but I want maybe a little more edge. And they're going to they're going to branch out and they're going to find cool stuff. Yeah. And that's how that's how that shit works. And that's good. Yeah. I listening to this and Sour back to back, like really put uh, put in stark contrast how I don't want to say amateur Sour sounds because I, I that sounds mean and i don't mean it like that but like the like guts is just so much more of a uh mature outing and i think it is a really good uh a really good indicator of things to come with her career uh this is not a sophomore slump by any means and uh i'm glad you both liked it ultimately because uh, you know, you got pop music is not either of your number one genre, but uh, it is something that both of you uh, have have an appreciation for. I think both of us listen to a fair amount of pop music, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's it's not like you're, it's not like you're like 
like your default i would say probably not no i will say my number one album so far this year is uh florianson's uh solo affair which was a pop album so oh yeah we if we had uh planned better there were a couple other albums that you wanted to talk about but i did not uh, honestly i'm glad we spent the whole thing on on this one i think we got we got a lot of mileage after i cut all the random horse shit (laughs) i probably don't know i'm lazy I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, everything in this episode has been on topic and concise. Gold comes from our mouths. Um, we're done. We should wrap up. Do you guys want to plug anything? Uh, you can listen to Crying in the Book Club, which is a podcast that Emily and I do about with our friend Alex about comic books. Uh, Chad's been on, on there. Chad's been on it uh, multiple times, actually, and hopefully sometime in the future again. Yeah. So maybe he'll yeah. respond to our DMs. He he just doesn't talk to us at all. It's kind of rude. Wow, it's uh, slander. Um, but I, I think, it, depending on when this comes out, probably the most recent episode is on uh, Grant Morrison's run on Action Comics. Uh, so you can go and listen to that. Uh, and soon we will have an episode on The Crow uh, in a couple weeks. So... Yeah, I do a bunch of podcasts, uh, Madge B and Yushna, a Revolutionary Girl Yushna podcast, uh, the Fresh Podcast Market, a real podcast about fake podcasts, uh, the aforementioned Crying in the Book Club, and uh, that we don't have like terrible. a catchy, like not a like motto for Crying in the Book Club. I thought our, our, I thought our motto was uh, a podcast where three emotional friends talk about books See, that make them emotional. That's what we so, say at the that's what we say during the intro, but it doesn't have the catchy thing. It's like, uh, U- Utena cast, uh, uh, a, a podcast, but revolutionary girl, Utena or fresh podcasts market, a real podcast about fake podcasts. Like we don't have anything like pithy and, and smart, I'll have, you know, I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can come up with a tagline for us. I'm not plugging anything. Cause I don't like any of my stuff. So <laughs> we're good Check to go. Books I you can we- buy on amazon.com. You can yeah. do Chad Waller. He's not the religious guy, right? That's the other Chad Waller, right? That's like the other books. one. That's Don't buy those. Guy. You should buy the short story collection, which is very good. You can buy, uh, wait, Ninth I, okay. Life. The Ninth Life the, and uh, the one about to- Toyland, Toy- right? Toyland. Toyland. And is there another one that's on there? Yeah, the Grimoire Library was the Grimoire uh, Library. Here. There you yeah. go. Okay. I knew there was a third one that had that had come out. You can buy those four books. It's my understanding there's another short story collection in the works, so Ooh. look out for that. Yep. That's uh, hopefully December. Exciting. And then you can look, go to YouTube, and you can type I N O N U M M as in Mace, and uh, you can type that into the YouTube search bar, and you can find Chad's album "Follow the Witch." And some of his other vocal covers. I I get the uh, vocal cover of so-called life in my YouTube recommendations a lot because I watch it a lot because the visuals (laughs) of the really fucked up looking like humanoid Pokemon is so fucking funny to me. Uh, And so I watch that video like probably like a couple times a month. Uh, Oh, that makes me feel good. I love that. (laughs) That's funny. All right. You're good friends. You know my shit. (laughs) I would I would have struggled to go through that. I'd be like, what's the titles of two of your books? So I'm not that good of a friend. No, yo, you're you're, you're we made it there. I'm happy. Thank you. All right. Um good night, everybody. Good night. So long and good night.